Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. And so the question that we're going to ask today is how do we make friendships last? Through this time in life, how do we develop relationships that will last the test of time? And for this, we're going to need some help, because I've got some news for you. I'm just not that good, and there's nothing that I can give you that's going to change your life or change your idea about what it means to be a friend. But the good news is, we have the good news. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open them up. We're going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes, looking at some ancient wisdom from what people believe is the, the wisest person in the Bible. The wisest person to live was a guy named Solomon. He was, he was given an opportunity by God. God said, you can ask me for anything that you want. And Solomon asked that he could have wisdom. That's a pretty good, pretty good request. And so God granted that request and gave him that wisdom. One of my regular prayers is God grant me wisdom because I'm just not that smart. And I, and I hope that you've come to that point in your life too where you can realize that without God's help, without God's wisdom, it's going to be a rough go. And so throughout his life, Solomon practiced this idea of wisdom. And good for us, he wrote down some of the things that he learned. And near the end of his life, he's reflecting. He's looking back and he shares with us a unique reflection of the lessons that he learned from the wisest man. And I think it's good for us to pay attention. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. You've probably heard this before, but this is what Solomon writes. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You see, that's truth. There was a study done recently in the United States and it said that the number one emotional problem in our country is the problem of loneliness. You see, we suffer from this idea that we want to do life alone. But as we look back at, at God's word and we look at history, we can see that friendships are essential. And so what I want to do this morning as we begin is I wanted to share with you some famous friends. Some famous friends. See if you guys can help me out with some of these famous friends. When, when they come up, I just want you, if you know the answer, just go ahead and say, these famous friends, who is this? Check it out. Some of you are like, who is Starsky and Hutch? <laughs> if you don't know who they are, ask somebody next to you who said Starsky and Hutch, and they'll fill you in on the details, okay? All right, so that's a famous friendship. Here's another one that you might remember. Check this one out. It got quiet in here. No, <laughs> I sense there's some people up here that know these names. Some of you are like, who are these? Well, it's Cagney and Lacey, okay? Famous friends. Now, now here's, here's a couple that was very, very important to me growing up. I learned a lot from these friends. Who, who's this? Right, right, Bert and Ernie. I learned a lot from them. I owe a lot to this, this, this duo. You can learn a lot from Bert and Ernie. Here, here's another one, check these out. Okay, Batman and Robin. You see, do you, do you see the, the through line here? That relationships are important. Here's one of my favorites, check this one out. Right. 
See, two are better than one. You see, without Belichick, we're not going to have Tom Brady. Without Tom Brady, we don't have Belichick, right? There's not too many Patriot fans here at all. It's fun. We, we, we need relationships. It, it, it's like that old, that old movie. Maybe you remember that movie, The Blues Brothers. Yes. Jake and Elwood, they sang it, didn't they? Yes. Everybody needs somebody. Somebody to what? Love. That's right. It's the great wisdom from Jake and Elwood, but, but Scripture was a little bit ahead of The Blues Brothers because God said in Genesis, he looked at what he'd created and he said, everything was good, it's good, it's good. And then he looked at Adam and he said what? It is not good for man to be what? It is not good for man to be alone. You see, the very heart of God is relationships. Relationships are not just something that he promotes, it's who he is. And when we talk about real friends, we need to understand that real friendships are never accidental. Friendships are made, they're developed, they're cultivated, they're nurtured, they're built over time. It's just what relationships are. And I, I don't know what's happened to me, but since I've turned 40, I'm, I'm 41, creeping up on 42. Over the last two years, something weird has happened. My wife can't explain it, I don't understand it. For, for some reason, about two years ago, I started going to these gardens, these, uh, what do they call them, nurseries? Where they have plants that you can buy and then you take them home, put them in a pot, and you, and you water them. And they grow. It's the coolest thing, and for some reason, at the age of 40, I started wanting to grow plants. I have to tell you, I wasn't very good at it. The first couple plants that I tried, they died. They turned brown and like tipped over. And what I realized is there are some principles that you have to apply if you don't want your plants to die. I, I mean, a couple of them, this, this shocked me. The first one I read, they need water. You have to water them, but not too much water. I mean, the, when I realized this, they needed water, I just, like, every day, I was watering that plant. <sighs> Pretty soon, it died. Too much water is not a good thing. They also need sunlight, okay? A plant in your house needs to have water, and it needs to have plenty of sunlight. I, see, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I just wanted to put it somewhere where it was convenient for me. But a plant needs water. It needs sunlight. It needs something else, though. It needs time. You see, plants take time. They need water. They need sun. But they also need time. And the same is true with relationships. If we're going to have real friends, we have to acknowledge something that they don't happen in a minute. You can't quick cook a friendship. It doesn't happen in a moment. It takes time. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the wisdom of Solomon through the book of Proverbs at six principles that are key for us to apply if we want to become a real friend. Because of course, as you know, if we're going to be talking about friendships, we have to remember this, that having great friends begins with becoming a great friend. Amen. We have to start here. So I want you to turn to somebody right now and say, it starts with me. It starts with me. It's huge that you understand that, that friendships begin with you because you're going to attract exactly who you are. That's what you're gonna attract. And so we need to get some wisdom. So the first one is this, if you have your notes, I'd encourage you to take your notes out. The first principle from the book of Proverbs is this, I must be considerate. If I wanna be a real friend, if I wanna build lasting relationships, I need to be considerate. Proverbs 17 says this, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter 
separates close friends. You gotta learn to let it go. We need to learn to accept friends and accept ourselves, warts and all. We need to learn how to forgive one another. We need to understand that if we're gonna be considerate, we can't be kicking each other while we're down. If you ever want to know who your friends are, here's a little experiment you can do. Make a mistake. Screw up. (laughs) Forget an anniversary or a birthday. Try that sometime. If you wanna know who your friends are, just screw up. Now I know for some of you that might be hard. For for me it's quite easy. But just try screwing up sometime. You'll find out who your friends are. It's like one guy said, he said, John, you're a good egg, even if you are a little cracked. And and I have to admit it, I am a little cracked. But how many of you are with me? How many of you got some cracks? Fragile? (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're, we're a lot like eggs. I don't know if you guys know this, but Wednesday, November 13th, and if, you're, if you follow politics, um, I guess there's been some politics going on recently, um, so I've heard, uh, but Wednesday, November 13th, ironically, was the National Day of Kindness. It was, it was literally, the National Day of Kindness was this last Wednesday. You see, if you're gonna be a real friend, you need to practice that holiday every day of the year. We need to be considerate we need to be kind. Here's number two. I must be confidential. Proverbs 11 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but trustworthy man keeps a secret. Gossip separates close friends. Here's a question that I have for you. If you want to really grow your, friend, your relationship capacity, your ability to be a real friend, how good, at you, how good are you at keeping a secret? How good are you at keeping things that are shared with you in confidence. It's amazing to me how many people, when they hear something, they really struggle with keeping it to themselves. They feel like almost a compulsion to share it with others. The quickest way to kill a friendship is to betray a confidence. You see, a true friend is somebody who can listen to you, who can listen to your stuff, and doesn't have to share it. They can hold it. They can mourn with you, they can walk with you. That's what a real friend can do, they can be confidential. Here's the third one, a true friend, a real friend, a lasting friendship is someone who can be candid. Someone who can tell the truth. Solomon reminds us that if we want to have lasting friendships, we need to be honest. We need to be honest and tell it like it is. Here's what Proverbs 27 says. Speaking of friendships, I love this verse. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. You see, you know you have a real friend if they can speak the hard truth into your life. A true friend will level with you, they'll shoot straight with you. They're open, they're honest. If you ask them to tell you the truth, they're gonna give it to you. They'll give you the facts, even when it's painful. Jay's my friend. Jay, I feel like I've got something in my nose. Is there anything up there? Yeah. Am I good? Yeah, I look good. Okay, good. Because it'd be really embarrassing if I was here visiting and I had a big old boogie hanging out of my nose, wouldn't it? But I feel, but Jay's my friend, and you'd tell me if there was one hanging out there, wouldn't you? See, that's what friends do. They're honest, even when it can be uncomfortable. 
Now, I feel, still kind of, feel, I don't know if it's my whiskers or what it is, but <laughs> I still feel like I've got something going on there. But you tell me, right? Because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of all these people. Okay, thanks, Jay. That's what, a, that's what a friend does. They share the truth. And why do we share the truth? Because it's not to, to chastise you. It's not to make you feel bad. It's because a real friend wants the best for you. My, my friends want the best for me. They want to see me be successful. And in order for me to be successful, I have to be aware of the truth. I can't have an allergy to reality. And the fact is this, every one of us have blind spots. How many of you know that you have some blind spots in your life? Okay. Now, for those of you that didn't raise your hands, I can give you a hint on what one of your blind spots might be. Okay. (laughs) You might have a blind spot about your blind spots. Because we've all got them, and we need people in our life that can speak the truth to us. We all need somebody who cares enough to call us on the carpet. You see, a friend is someone who says, I know you're my friend, and I know that you're making a big mess. But, but it's, it's my business, and I need to press in. That's what friends do. They press in in the hard times. Proverbs 24 says, an honest answer is the sign of true friendship. We need to be honest with our friends. There's, there's three things I want to share with you about being honest that I think can help you. Because sometimes the truth, have you ever heard of this, that the truth hurts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a reality. And so a true friend is someone who's going to share the truth in love with grace. You, you can't just use the truth as a stick to beat people. That's not what friends do. Here, here's three rules when it comes to your friends. The first one is this. You compliment in public but you correct in private. Build them up in public and help them see the truth in private. Number two, you never rebuke a friend until you're open to rebuke from them. You see, there's a difference between being candid and being critical. Because Jesus gives us a spirit of truth. He gives us a spirit of self-discipline. Just because something's true doesn't mean that it's helpful or that it's the right time. We need to be the kind of people that are open to the same kind of feedback that we're willing to give. Here's number three, you correct them when they're up, not when they're down. A horrible time for corrective and coaching to to speaking the truth is when somebody's way at the bottom. Sometimes it's good to just hold on to that, maybe write it down and share it at another time when they're not at the bottom. We need to make sure that we're implementing, along with truth and candor, that we're implementing compassion with it as well. I have a friend in my life, we met about eight years ago, and we began a dialogue, he and I had a lot in common, we started talking, and shortly into our relationship, he shared something with me. I was sharing with him something that was very personal, a struggle that I was going through. It had been something I'd been battling for 20 plus years in my own life. I'd been battling an addiction, but I didn't know it was an addiction. You see, I I still thought that I was in control of it. But when I shared my heart with this, my friend Matt, he did this, he spoke to me the truth. He said these words, John, you're an addict. This thing has control of your life. And when he said that to me, I gotta tell you, it didn't feel very good. It didn't feel good, but it was something that I needed to hear. He picked the right time, he picked the right moment, and he shared with me the truth. And I'm so thankful 
for him and his willingness to speak the truth. Because seven years now have gone by and by God's grace and good friends like him, I've been able to stay clean. I've been able to stay out of this addiction by God's power. And, and, that, and that's what God does. He does it with friends. We need friends. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life right now who has the freedom to point out where you might be making a mistake and you know that they will communicate it to you in love? Do you have someone like that in your life? If you do, good for you. Make sure you cherish that friendship. If you don't, I wanna encourage you to begin praying about God bringing someone like that into your life. One of the ways that he's gonna do that is through a life group. I know that many of you are involved in life groups. That's the place where those relationships begin to develop. Because friendships, like I said, don't happen in a moment. They're like plants. They take time. And life groups are the soil in which relationships can grow. It's the place where you can begin those relationships. Here, here's number four. If you wanna be a real friend, a lasting friend, you need to be constructive. I must be constructive. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, so one man sharpens another. Genuine friends build each other up. They stimulate one another to grow. They bring out the best in each other. They motivate each other. I, I don't know about you, but I don't really need a lot of people in my life to demotivate me, okay? I'm pretty good at doing that myself. <laughs> I need friends that can speak into me and build me up. That's what a friend does. 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad companions corrupt good character. But let me tell you what a friend says. A friend says, you can do it. You're in. Go for it. Rock and roll, man. We all need somebody like that in our lives. Someone that can believe in us and build us up. The poet Emerson writes this. He says, a true friend is someone who makes us do what we can do. You see, a friend is somebody that's going to bring out the best in you. They're gonna be constructive and build you up. Here, here, here's another test. I gave you a test earlier. Here's another test for a real friend. Maybe this is something you can ask yourself. How do I know if I'm being a friend? Ask yourself this question. Do I rejoice when people in my life experience success and victory? Do I rejoice in my heart for those people who are experiencing success? You see, that's, that's what friendship is. You're becoming the kind of friend God wants you to be if when someone experiences success or blessing, you can rejoice with them and you can celebrate. The Bible says this, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Are you building others up? Number five is this, I must be consistent. I must be consistent. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity is what it says in Proverbs 17. You see, a real friend can be counted on. A real friend is dependable. A real friend sees you through when everybody else says that you're through. Did you catch the difference there? You see, a real friend is somebody that walks with you when you're struggling. A real friend walks in when everybody else is walking out. I, I love this little analogy. This is one of my favorite. A, a real friend is like toothpaste. Do you know why? Because they always come through in a squeeze. 
when the pressure's on. <laughs> Are you a toothpaste friend? Do you come through when the pressure's on? Are you, are you a toothpaste friend? My question to you today, this morning, is not how many friends do you have, okay? I, I'm not interested in the number of friends you have on Facebook. My question is this, who are you a friend to? Who are you there for in the tough times? Who can count on you when they're struggling? Are you being and becoming a friend? Here's a famous, a famous poem, you've probably heard this before, but it says this, I went out to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Amen. The key to being, having real friends and being a real friend is understanding the importance of consistency, to be there for them. Who am I committed to? Who am I considerate and kind towards? Who am I confidential yet candid with? Who am, I building, who am I building up? Who am I pouring into? And who can count on me to be consistent in their life? Those are the kind of questions that we need to begin asking ourselves if we want to experience all God has for us when it comes to friendships. By the way, I want to share something with you before we go on to this last point. Do you understand that the greatest witness that we have to a lost world is how we treat one another? Do, do you understand that before Jesus went to heaven, in his last moment with his disciples, he said these words, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, if we're gonna be the church that lives out friendships, it starts in this room. It starts in your life group. It starts with the people in your life who are your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, if we can't really truly love one another, the message of the gospel is gonna be hindered. We need to be that kind of a church. And here's the last one I wanna share. For long-lasting relationships that will last, I must be committed. I must be committed. Proverbs 18 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, some of you know this, but growing up, I, I didn't grow up in Sioux Falls or South Dakota. I grew up in the other Dakota, okay? I grew up in North. Uh, when I got to age, a certain age, I realized that there weren't any girls in South Dakota, or excuse me, there weren't any girls in North Dakota, so I ended up meeting a South Dakota girl and moving to South Dakota, which is what I find most people that live in South Dakota from North Dakota, it's because they met a girl. <laughs> and so that was me, I, I grew up there, and, Growing up as a young boy, my heart was to play football. I just loved football. I loved everything about it, mostly because of the relationships that were involved in it. But when I was in high school, I, I worked hard. Uh, I wanted to play at North Dakota State. When I was in high school, I was offered a scholarship to go there, and when I went there, they began to teach us about something called Bison Pride. One of the things, one of the stories that they taught was about a, about a man named Mike Whetstone. Mike Whetstone was a first-team All-American offensive guard at North Dakota State. He was a starter on the 1983 National Championship team. He started for three years, and then after his playing career was over, he served as a student assistant and a volunteer assistant. In March of 1988, he was diagnosed with cancer. A few months later, in December of 1988, he passed away three days after NDSU won 
the national championship over Portland State. That game was dedicated to his memory. In the days before his death, a coach and a trainer went to see him and they taped a message, a three-minute audio recording that was played for the team before they went and took the field. Mike's words were captured in writing. They're on a plaque in the team room. And each time before the team takes the field to this day, they see that plaque of Mike Whetstone. This is part of what he said. When he was asked what Bison Pride meant, he said this, deep down, Bison Pride is the love we have for each other. I've noticed over the years that my true friends, my true life, everything revolves around Bison players and people. I have friends from outside of football. The, the amazing thing is that I have found in the last six months since discovering that I have cancer is that people who have rallied around me, the most of them are Bison players and alumni. I had former players come down to Rochester to visit me in the hospital. They traveled over 300 miles one way just to visit me. I had friends that I went to high school with who were 20 miles away and they just made a phone call. I guess to me what Bison Pride is all about, everybody is looking out for everybody else. It's knowing that everybody is looking out for one another. The point he's trying to make is this, he knew who was committed to him. I think it's sad in our world today that people forgo the Sabbath, they forgo Sundays to watch football, to participate in basketball or soccer. It breaks my heart that God's church isn't a priority in our world today. But I believe this, I believe part of the reason that people will leave this for a game, it's because in that game they develop these kind of friendships. Now they're not always eternal, but I believe the reason that's drawing them to that is because of that commitment and love for one another. You see, as the church, we need to take that back. We need to take back that relational commitment. Why don't we have more testimonies like this amongst God's people? There's a verse in Proverbs 18, it says, some friends do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. I want you to circle the word loyal. You see, the church, real friends are loyal. They stick with it. Recently, I had the honor of serving a family that's part of our church. They attended in Brandon. They started attending in Brandon. They attended here in Sioux Falls as well. I got to serve them as they experienced the loss of a son, a brother, a husband, and a dad. Tim was his name, he was 49 years old. He grew up in Laverne, Minnesota. But he found Celebrate. And in his last week here on earth, he was sharing with Pastor Dwayne and he said this, you know, I don't have a lot of friends, but the few that I do have were really good ones. One of his close friends was a person that he met just at church, sitting in church at Celebrate. He met this guy, his name was Eric. Eric, one of his friends, works in Saudi Arabia. He flew 32 hours one way just to be there for the funeral, to be there with the family. You see, I believe that's a way better picture of what God intended. It's commitment. Friendships begin and end with commitment. What if Celebrate would have a reputation in this community as the friendliest church? 
What if we really live this out? We, we do it every weekend when we say, welcome home, we're glad you're here, we shake hands, we give hugs, because there are some people that never get that anywhere other than this place. But it doesn't end with a handshake and a hug, it continues beyond that. It continues to those times at 2 a.m. when you're in a jam. Being the kind of friend that would receive that. Being a real friend. Here, here's one thing I wanna just conclude with, it's this. All of these six characteristics are embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. If you were paying attention, you understand this, that Jesus Christ is committed to you. He died on the cross for you, he accepts you, he forgives you, he wants the best for you. He, he rejoices in your success. He's always gonna be there when you need him. He, he counts you as part of his love, part of his brothers and sisters, he loves you. He sacrificed everything for you. You see, that's not in my nature. I, I'm not selfless like that in myself. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can become real friends. And so as the team is gonna play, we're gonna continue to sing. I wanna invite you this morning. If you have never began a relationship with Jesus Christ, today, this morning, is your morning. I wanna invite you to just come forward. There'll be people up here that are committed to you. They're willing to pray with you and help you receive that relationship with Christ. Would you join me as we, pray, as we pray? Father, I pray this morning that you would just draw people to yourself. Because if we wanna be real friends, we have to understand that it begins with knowing your son, Jesus. If we're going to be a long-lasting friend, we have to have a friendship with you. For you are the author of relationships. You're the architect of friendship. Father, I pray right now that as we sing, I pray that people would be led, that they would be open to come forward to receive your son, Jesus. Maybe they don't know the, the process, they don't know the way. Father, I pray you would just move them to come forward to receive prayer, to receive a touch, to receive a blessing. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.